Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Great. Well, I'm Melissa Blackwood, and I don't know if you can tell what ministry I fit into the most, but I'm the youth pastor, so... Yeah, it's the best. Who are my teens? Are my teens here? Oh, my Lord. Thank you. Okay, you guys. Well, and if people get a little too quiet today, I might make you stand up and do weird Melissa moves. So please be with me. Okay, have you guys ever asked this question? Have you ever thought, do I know God? Like, do I really know God? Have you ever asked this question? I don't know if you read verses like this one in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I read verses like that and I get a little scared. Right? And I kind of realized maybe it's important for me to reevaluate my relationship with the Lord on this side of eternity, you know, before face to face. Okay, so when asking this question, do I know God? Like, do I really know God? The Bible is a great place to start. It's a, you know, it is about Him, it is His story, and uh, it's full of people encountering Him. So, And actually, may I add, really crappy people. Like the Bible is full of awful people who meet with God in amazing ways, and they don't deserve it. Because that's how God rolls. So it's good. So we're reading from Genesis 32, and this is a story of a really awful person. His name means deceiver, and he lives out his name very well. He's very talented with deceit. And it's the story of Jacob. And he has a very strange but powerful encounter with God. So it's in Genesis 32. That night, Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. It's a weird story, right? If you don't think that, literally in my Bible, I have that part of this part of the Bible circled with three question marks. (laughs) I was like, what's happening? But 
Based on this story, based on Jacob's encounter with God, I believe there are three key points on how we know we've had an encounter with God. Three points. Get alone. Get dirty. Get real. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, a little bit of a backstory on Jacob. Because this is important. Context is important. If you ever read a part of the Bible and you're like, what is happening? You need context. You need to know, like, what, what happened before this? So, this is Jacob's backstory. He is the grandson of Abraham. He is the son of Isaac. This is important to know because Abraham is a really big deal in the Bible. And his family is a really big deal in the Bible. Because God made a covenant. So a covenant is like an extra, extra, extreme promise. Right? It is, it's a binding agreement. It's a legal contract that God made with Abraham. And it goes something like this. I'm not going to read it all, but it's from Genesis 17 if you want to read it. But pretty much God is saying, I'm going to give you lots of kids, a big, big family. Some of them are going to be kings. Everything that you do, I'm going to put favor on it. Um, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. And all of your kids and their kids and their chillins, 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 chillin. Okay? Pretty much. This is a really great promise. Would you not agree? Okay. So he comes from, Jacob comes from a very favored family. A messed up family, but very favored. So before Jacob and his twin brother Esau are born, God tells their mother. So while they're in the womb, he says, there are two nations in your womb, and the older will serve the younger. So even before Jacob is born, he is predestined for God's blessing. And uh, he comes out of the womb. Okay, he's the second, Jacob's the second born, but he comes out. Mothers, I want you to picture this. He comes out as an infant, baby coming from womb, grabbing the heel of his brother. You know, Esau's coming out, and Jacob's like, don't you dare. <laughs> right? He's holding on. What a weird, I'd be freaked out, man, if that was my, what's happening down there. So, <laughs> what's amazing is that throughout Jacob's life, we see him fighting to get this blessing on his own rather than trusting God for it. Anybody relate to that? So since birth, Jacob has come out trying to trip up, trying to take what is his brother's. He is a deceiver. And we see this, you know, in different stories where he gets his brother's birthrights through a bowl of stew. Um, he disguises himself as his brother Esau, deceiving his blind old father, getting his brother's blessing. Esau's really mad. Esau wants to kill him. Jacob pieces out. He runs away. Okay, so now, here we are. It's 20 years later, okay? So Jacob has been working for his uncle Laban. He's accumulated wealth. His family has grown, and he decides to go back to his homeland. But there is the problem. Sweet, sweet Esau, right? Remember, he wanted to kill him, right? So the last time they were together, Esau was very angry, rightfully so. And Jacob, he hasn't yet met with his brother, so he, what he's doing, his plan is he's going to send a whole bunch of gifts to Esau before he shows up. He's like, I'm just going to send a bunch of gifts to just, like, make this okay. You know? Gifts are nice. I mean, they do help me. <laughs> right? So, I just want to have a side note here. If you think God can't use you, you are wrong. God uses Jacob, and Jacob sucks. <laughs> and God uses him. God can use us. I just hope that you remember that this morning. Just say, God can use me. And even 
when you think of somebody, you who, who's a real wiener, God can use them. You can't write them off. God can use them too. Okay. So, first point, you've got to get alone. So that night, Jacob, he got up, he took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 sons, crossed the fort of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So now we know the context of this verse. So understandably, Jacob is having a hard time sleeping, right? He's having one of those nights. Have you ever had those nights, you know, where you're like, oh, I've got a lot to do in the morning. I've got a lot going on. I've got some meetings. Some people might want to kill me. You know, one of those nights. You ever had one of those? Jacob's having one of those, okay? He's having a tough sleep. So he, re- he realizes, I need to get alone. He removes the distractions, removes the wives, removes the children, amen. He removes his possessions, And he puts him on the other side of the stream, and he goes back to the other, and he he remains alone. And it is when Jacob is alone that he has a spiritual encounter. It's when he's away from busyness, away from his community, away from his family. That is when he meets with God. So if you're going to meet the real God, you're going to have to get alone. You have to meet him personally. I mean, I haven't been around church my whole life, but about half of it. And I've noticed, you know, I have certain observations when it comes to meeting God alone. You know, and I see, you know, you see families come in and, and the kids are in church and they're loving church and they're here every Sunday. And it's so wonderful. I love seeing families in church. You know, I bring my kids to church. Um, but, you know, the kids grow up and they go to university and they stop going to church. Right? They don't, they don't find another church. They don't really, they don't want to go. Why is that? It's because they haven't met God alone. They haven't gotten up close and personal with God. It was just a family tradition. It never became personal for them. You know, you see, I see also, I've had friends where it's like, they come into church and they're like, oh, this is amazing. The music is so fun. You know, the sermon is, wow, amazing. You know, and they're like, oh, the people are so cool. They're so nice. And they just like, they're a part of it. They're like, yeah, this is, this is the best. You know, they're serving on team. They're lifting their hands in worship. They're all into it. But then they move away. And they don't find another church like it. They're like, I don't know. Don't really like the sermon. Don't really like the people. They're not as cool as the people at City Life. <laughs> right? And why is that? It's because their faith never got personal. It was in a group. They met, they, they met with God in a group, which is absolutely possible. The presence of the Lord is powerful and strong. You can meet with him in a group. But it is possible to be part of a movement, to be a part of something and building it and loving it, and you not actually having your own personal relationship with God. You know, we see this in leaders. Leaders, you know, we see them, you know, bless you. And they, they're praying over the meeting in the morning. And they put their hand on the Bible and swear an oath. And, you know, they're all, they sh- seem like Christian. But then you hear of them having affairs or doing terrible, terrible stuff behind the scenes. And you're like, what a hypocrite. It was never personal for them. They said, my faith is where my office is, but at home, I don't bring him there. It's the same as God. We need to get alone with God. We need to let our faith get personal. We need to be alone with him. And there is power. Like I said, there is power in the church. 
I honestly, like, the church is God's plan. This is what he, he wants for us. Like, you can't meet with him without the church, but you can't meet with him also when you're not alone. You need both. You need to be alone, and you need the church. So has it gotten personal for you? Or do you just relate to God in a family or in a group? We need to get alone with him. The second point is get dirty. You gotta get dirty. <laughs> Christina knew. She knew. <laughs> I did not choose that point just to sing that song. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So this isn't a metaphorical wrestle, you know, this like, oh, it's all in my mind, wrestle. The Hebrew word for wrestle that they use in this text is weyebek, which means bed dust, dust, grapple. So there is a literal dust storm around these two grappling men. And it's funny because the worldview, I don't know if you would agree with this, but the worldview on like prayer and spirituality is this like, mm, you know, like, really peaceful and clearing my mind and really focusing on, I don't know. You know, but it's like an incense. It's just like really oh, a lovely moment. That is not biblical at all. <laughs> Jacob meeting with the Lord is the Lord jumping him, attacking him. So I'm sorry, if you want a peaceful moment, that if it's Jesus you want to meet with, brother, you're, you're in for a surprise. They wrestle for hours. I looked up an Olympian wrestling match, and it's like nine minutes. And after their match, those dudes are like, they're sweaty, you know? They're, and they're big guys. Like, Jacob and God wrestled for hours. Pastor Erin LaRose, this past weekend when we went to HCY, she had this great illustration of going to Build-A-Bear. Has anybody here been to Build-A-Bear? Okay, so it's like the place where you go and make your own stuffed animal for your five-year-old for $500. You know, it's, I haven't gone yet. I'm too scared, too much, man. But, you know, you go and you pick, oh, you pick the stuffed animal you want. And you pick the clothes that it wears and the shoes that it wears and its accessories, you know. That's fun. And how often do we treat spirituality or Christianity like this, right? Where we think... We think, okay, I'm going to just take different parts from these worldviews, different parts from these religions. I really like that. I'm going to take, you know, different parts from the Bible that I really like. Going to leave those. That doesn't make sense. We have different ideologies that we like, and we make a build-a-bear God. You cannot meet with that God. That God isn't real. That God is you. You made it up. <laughs> And you can't wrestle with yourself unless you've seen Fight Club. And that's a weird scene. It's weird. Like, who won? I don't know. It's the same person. But you can't wrestle with you. The one true God, he is not a Build-A-Bear. The one true God is a person. He is different than us. His ways are greater than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We can't build that. There are going to be things you don't agree with, with God. There are going to be things you don't understand. There are going to be things that you get mad at, and you're like, why? But it doesn't mean he's not real. He's a person. And he wants to wrestle with us. 
This is how you know you've encountered the one true God. When you're wrestling with him. You know you didn't make it up. When you read stuff and you're like, God, I don't get this and I don't like it. But when you stick with it, when you stick with him, you don't turn from him. You, you just get into it and you're like, all right, let's wrestle this out. You may think faith is important. You might think belonging to a religious group is important. You might think it's important to marry somebody who is religious. But when you start to realize who God is and what he has said, when it starts to intrude your daily life, when God starts talking to you about how you are actually living, this is how you know it's getting personal. It's weird that God chose to wrestle with Jacob, right? Like you'd think, you'd be like, well, God, couldn't you just have made a really nice picnic with some brie cheese and crackers and then, like, talk to Jacob about it and maybe just told him and give him the lowdown? Right? But I know for me, unfortunately, it is through disappointment. It is through frustration. It is through agony that I've been able to learn things. It's not through learning through somebody, what somebody told me, or through a book, or through a sermon. It's sometimes wrestling it out. And lucky for us, God wants to wrestle with us. And I think what's amazing is that at some point, Jacob realizes this is not an ordinary man. Right? Because... When the man saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I won't let you go unless you bless me. So Jacob must have, at some point, he realized, brother can bless me. Not just any brother can bless, right? So there was, he realized this is not an ordinary man or even an angel. And later on, Jacob says, I've seen God face to face. But what's amazing is he refuses to let go. He demands a blessing. I don't know. I'm just like, does that mean we can demand a blessing? I know if I found out I was wrestling with the Lord, I would let go immediately and be like, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. You know, like when you find out who your opponent is, you're like, I'm going to but it's in this moment, Jacob realizes, this is who I have been looking for my entire life. This is the only one who can give me the blessing I've been longing for. Because Jacob has been, he has been chasing for the blessing his entire life. He's been looking for the blessing from his father. He's been looking for the blessing from Laban, from Rachel. And he realizes, this is it. This is the only one I can get this blessing from that I've been longing for. It's one thing to believe in God your whole life. It is one thing to obey God. It is one thing to go to church your whole life. But when you have a spiritual encounter with God, he becomes your life. Instead of asking, it's like, God, why am I not married yet? Lord, why am I at this dead-end job? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why am I not getting the blessing here or the blessing there? When you encounter God, you realize you have the blessing. Those things don't matter. Those things don't matter. They don't matter. 
Nothing matters but a relationship with him. If my career goes, I don't care. If I don't get the healing, I don't care. If I don't get into that university, if I don't get the promotion, if I don't get married, if I don't have the babies, I don't care. Because God, you are my life. You are the source of the blessing I've been wanting. Will you let him get personal and intrude the way you live? Will you get dirty? Will you stick it out? Will you wrestle through some of the difficult stuff you're facing for the blessing? And we're just, I'm going to dismiss the beautiful baptism people so you can go get changed. And like Pastor Monica said, if you're wanting to get baptized and jump in, man, do it. Do it. Get dirty. Get, get undirty. <laughs> okay. We got a third point. Get real. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he said, if it is the Lord wrestling with Jacob, why would he ask him his name? Wouldn't the Lord know his name? Weird, right? You're like, why? Why are you asking? It reminds me of the question that God asks Adam and Eve in the garden. Why are you naked? Where are you? Did you eat from the tree? The Lord knew, okay? He knew. But he wants to know, do you know? Do you know? He needed them to admit it to themselves. P.S. Adam and Eve didn't. They didn't admit it. They pointed fingers. <laughs> I didn't do it with them. Right? And this is, the mo this is a beautiful moment for Jacob. God asks Jacob his name, and Jacob does not lie. He does not blame. He admits, I was named Jacob, and I've been acting a Jacob. I have been acting the heel grabber. I have been acting the usurper. I have been acting the deceiver. He admits his sin before God. He gets real. And there is something that happens in us, you guys. There is something that happens in us when we get vulnerable, when we get real before God. And we're like, Lord, I suck. Man, honestly, this is my main prayer. Every morning, I'm like, Lord, I'm so selfish. I hate this about me. I am so sorry. And there's something God just, I don't know about you guys. When I give my children a timeout, I ask them after the timeout, honey, why did you get a timeout? Well, Adur, I know why. I put you there, probably physically put you there. But I ask, you know, why did you get a timeout? It's, I know why I gave them a timeout. I want them to know why they got a timeout. I want them to realize the gross behavior in them so that they change. It's because I care about their character. I care about their hearts, right, parents? You know what I'm talking about. How much more does God care about his children? How much more? He needs us to admit our sin. And God is so good, he doesn't stop there. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Man, a mark of identity change in the Bible is a name change. And God changes people's names in the Bible quite a bit. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Saul to Paul. Naming represented at least two things in that culture. Ownership and a change of character or destiny. And so oftentimes, kings in that time would rename their subjects. You guys remember the story of Daniel and his three Hebrew friends when they were into the, 
when they were under the king of Babylon, he gave them Babylonian names. He changed their names because they were in a different ownership. Jacob, who lived for himself, once he was alone, once he wrestled with God, once he admitted his sin, there was a transformation, a name change. His, the ownership of who Jacob was changed. His character changed. His destiny changed. You will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. And this is actually, with baptism, there is something that changes. I believe there is a change in ownership over you. There is a change of your character and your destiny when you go into that water. You go into the water as Jacob, but you come out Israel. Your new name, you are now owned by God. Right? We were born, we are born of the flesh. We are born in this world but when we go, that goes into the water. It is washed clean. And we come up and now we are children of God. And so I want to encourage you, man, if you are a Christian and you haven't been baptized, man, your ownership needs to change. You need to get in there. What are you waiting for? So there is something powerful. There is a transformation that happens in us. And I think what is so, you know, my main question, I don't know about you guys, but my main question is like, well, who won the match? Who won? Right? That's obviously the most important thing. And, and I think what's, you know, maybe you'll hate this. But it was through Jacob's weakness that he wins. Because he receives the real blessing. And for God, it was through weakening himself, becoming a man, and wrestling with Jacob... He won because he got to bless him. Everybody's a winner. But what's amazing is it is through our weakness that we encounter and receive God's blessing, which is hard for us. We don't want to be weak. The world does not honor weakness. Come on, be a man. Suck it up. Right? Like, that's kind of what we're told. Like, don't be weak. But in Christianity, it is Weakness is like the main vehicle God uses to accomplish his will. There are so many examples in the Bible. So many examples in the Bible of weakness. Like pretty much the whole Bible is like humanity, you're weak. Right? And God's going to come through again for us. But the greatest example is when we look at Jesus on the cross. Which it seems weak. He was handed over by his best friend to the Pharisees. Weak. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was shamed for hours. Weak. And he died. He died on a cross. Weak. But it was actually through his weakness that Jesus won. It was because of his death. It was through that weakness of death that actually he had victory. So while Jacob is fighting for his own blessing, Christ fought for our blessing. While Jacob held on and he risked his own life for his own blessing, guess what? Jesus held on at the cost of his life to get the blessing for us. Man, Jesus was able to be weak. God himself, like what is amazing is that like, I can't even imagine. Like, I imagine myself playing with my kid. You know when, you, like, as an adult, you're like, I got a lot of stuff to do. I've got a to-do list. I got important responsibilities. And your kids want you to play. And you're, like, getting down and, like, you know, you're, like, being a cat. 
you're weak, right? You're like, oh man, this is the worst. I hate it. But like God himself, who is the almighty God, he became a baby. He became a baby and put himself, like the ultimate most weakest thing you could ever think of, a newborn baby. He put himself in the hands of his creation. Would I trust my children with my life? Heck to the no. But God, it was through weakness. It was through us. We are weak. And he's like, I'm going to show you that I am greater than this weakness. And that is how we are saved. It's by us saying, Lord, I am weak. I suck. I suck. But it is through that moment there's a transformation. And he says, yeah, you do. But I love you and I have fought for you so that I can give you a blessing. I want to bless you. I want to call you my child. Those things that you've been chasing in the world, the things that you've been looking to for blessing, they're not going to do it for you. But I will. It's only in the name of King Jesus that we are saved. I cannot boast. I cannot boast. It is not me that is strong. It is not me who's, you know, who's confident. It is Jesus. It is the blessing that he has given me. And I just want to pray for us. I want you to stand with me. Man, I just am believing that maybe you have been, you have been only meeting God in a group. God wants to meet with you today. He wants to get alone with you. He wants to talk to your heart. He wants to bless you. There's not just super holy people who hear from God and then the rest. It's all of us in this together. I want to pray for you today. If you're like, man, I do not want to just meet with God because of my family. I do not just want to meet with God because we're in a group and this is what we always do. Or this is, you know, we grew up this way, so we always do. God wants to meet with you alone and I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you. If you're here and you're like, I want to respond. I want to, like, I actually, my heart is moved. That is God waking you up. That is God saying, wake up, oh sleeper. I have something for you. I want to bless you. I want to love on you. I want to give you favor. I want to see you fruitful. I want to see you multiply. God is so good. The God of Abraham, by the way, the God of Abraham is the same God that we serve. We are the generation, 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 generations. The church is... We receive that blessing through Jesus Christ. So Lord, we come to you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. God, thank you, Father, that you see us and you see us in our weakness, but you love us. God, though we don't deserve to meet with you, God, you want to, God, that you humbled yourself and came as Jesus Christ to meet with us, to do life with us and to die on our behalf. God, we thank you for who you are, that you don't give up on us. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who are here today. I even want to, I want you to be bold. And if you're like, I want to meet with God for the first time, I want to encourage you to lift your hand and respond to him today. God, we're just praying for all of those. Lifting your hand up if you're responding to Jesus. God, we are just responding to you, Father. I am saying with my hand lifted high, God, I do not want to meet just in a group. I do not want to just, you know, relate to you through my family. But I'm, I want to meet with you alone, God. You see me. You hear me. Father, I want to hear from you. Lord, I thank you for those who have lifted their hands. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you want to meet with us. You want to speak to us. Holy Father, I want to pray for those also who are wrestling, who are having a really hard time trusting you, who are having a really hard time believing certain things you've said or they feel confused. 
And Jesus, I just wanna, I wanna pray, God, against any confusion in your people. Father, I wanna pray that where people just feel so tired, they feel like they've been wrestling for years. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that there is purpose to the wrestle. God, we thank you that it is you we're wrestling with. <laughs> and God, I pray for a grace, for a strength over your people who have been wrestling, Lord. I thank you, Father, that God, the wrestle will end soon. And God, that they're gonna see a blessing come through it. God, would, would you strengthen their faith in this season, Lord? God, would we not be afraid to get dirty? God, for those of us who are here, and we are, we're actually afraid to face the mess. We've just been standing on the sidelines, just being afraid to kind of get in and get dirty. Well, Lord, we, I pray for a boldness, God, a Holy Spirit boldness over your kids who you just want to wake them up. God, that there are things on the other side of the dirt. There's things on the other side, God, that you're wanting to bless their yes. God, we thank you, Father, that you're releasing people who've just like been in shackles or who just have felt bound or stuck where they're at. God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a change and a move in our heart. God, we love you. Would we continue our whole lives to get along with you? Would we continue to be weak before you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.